guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Hey gang, if you are pregnant with twins, make sure to do your research on banking cord blood. Your newborn's umbilical cord blood contains powerful stem cells that have already been used to regenerate healthy blood and immune systems in transplant medicine. These stem cells are also being investigated for their potential use in regenerative medicine. Preserving your child's newborn stem cells at birth is an opportunity to provide access to current and potential future stem cell treatment options for you and your family. Learn more at cordblood.com or call 1-88-CORD-BLOOD. Use code DUO2 for special twins pricing through Twiniversity. All right, guys, we have another great episode today. I want to introduce you to my friend Jillian Cullion, and she is a mama of two sets of twins. Yep, I told you guys, it happens more often than you think. So her first pregnancy went off without a hitch. Her delivery was fantastic. She made it to 36 weeks, four days with her first go around. And then things were a little bit different the second time around. At her 20-week ultrasound, she found out that one of her twinnies was going to be born with a birth defect. Of course, this puts, you know, a big old record scratch in your pregnancy and, of course, your delivery. And then there's the discussions of post, you know, surgeries after delivery. And it's just a lot. So it's definitely something that I want to, uh, to talk about today. And I want you to meet Jillian and see how she's handling it because she's just absolutely extraordinary and we could all learn a lot from her. So without further ado, here's my friend Jillian. Ah, Jillian, I mean, two sets of twins, one by your feet, the other one, the other one's roaming around. (laughs) No, they're in preschool right now. Well, thank goodness they're not just roaming around, but they could be. I mean, that's when they're out of our (laughs) hands. That's not the teacher's business is what they're going to do. That's the way that it goes. But now you have your older set, which is how old now? Three. Three. And now you have your teeny tiny tots at your and feet. And they're two months. Mm-hmm. They're brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the good news is that your first twin pregnancy, wonderfully boring. You went to, thir- to 36 weeks and change, right? You mm-hmm. did great five pounders. Yeah, no NICU time. That's amazing. Yeah, you I know it. it really set the bar high for the second time around. That's that's unfortunately the way it goes. And then you're like, you know what? Let's have one more, because that's always yeah. that's Just always one. the way it goes with our our double sets. So well, let's have one more baby, and then surprise, surprise, again you have this bonus baby that is taking up rental space that you did not assign. And mm-hmm. how far did you go with the second pregnancy? 35 and 5. So you're still right there. You're still like, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I made it further than they thought I would. All right. Now, our... Not as far as I hope. <laughs> well, 35, 5 is still 
pretty good. You still made it past me. That's the way I look at it. So you did, you did good. (laughs) Almost two weeks past me. So it it all comes out in the wash at the end. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't even tell. Um, So now the, the second set, although your pregnancy was not like, when did you start to kind of, when did things start to go off the rails a little bit? Or when did you realize that things weren't going to be exactly the same? Um, so, I mean, well, I should say like truthfully from the very beginning, it was like a totally different, um, experience. I'm older and, you know, second pregnancies are always at what I hear a little bit harder. So Mm -hmm. it was more difficult from the start. I was tired, more tired earlier, sick earlier, uh, you know, everything. And then, um, at, um, at 20 weeks, we did an anatomy scan and found out about, um, you know, the, we had, that we were, one of the babies was likely to have a, uh, small birth defect. And so we transitioned care at 20 weeks to a children's hospital in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and, um, stayed with them through the end. And that's where I delivered, actually. So on your delivery day, did they say like, okay, here's the plan. We're going to purposely deliver early. Or did they say, let's just keep going as long as we could go. And then you got to the 35-5. No, they let me, they were going to let me go as, up until 38 weeks, actually. Okay. It was different from the first time around at different doctors. And they were, they were wanted to stop at 37. Okay. And at um, 35 weeks and five days, I was driving from my home in Central Jersey into Philadelphia to go to my Airbnb, where I was going to stay for a couple of weeks so that I would be mm-hmm. close to the children's hospital when I went into labor. And as I crossed over the bridge into Pennsylvania, I went into labor. <laughs> and so instead just drove straight to the hospital. <laughs> That's smart. I'm sorry that you had yeah. to go to labor while driving. Did your water break or you just felt contractions? I started to feel contractions. My mom was with me and okay. I remember that she was like talking. I don't even know about what, about something. And I was like, man, I feel sort of like crampy. And I was just like thinking about that. And it was getting worse and worse. And finally she turned to me, she's like, are you okay? Are you like hearing what I'm saying? And I was like, I think I'm having contractions. So it got worse and worse. And like, by the time we got into the city, it was clear. Like I was barely able to drive. Like we made it just in time. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now you know that you are going to deliver and it's not going to be typical. Did they give you a heads up that you were going to have to go like right to the NICU? Like what was, when you had that initial anatomy scan, what was the the prognosis? Like, do they say, okay, we've seen this before. This is typically what happens. How did they set it up so that you were prepared for what lied ahead? So they told us, so the first thing that happened was they said, so specifically what his birth defect is, it's called bladder extrophy, which means that his bladder is on the outside of his body. Okay. So when they did my anatomy scan at 20 weeks, they basically said, this was um, here in Jersey at my normal MFM. Um, and, and they basically said, listen, we, we can't find a full bladder. So we're going to send you to CHOP because okay. they have better imaging. And I did, you know, uh, what I think it's a probably a very normal reaction, which was like panic. What does that mean? And I've never even heard of this. And what, what do you mean you can't find it? Is it not there? Where is it? Whatever. And they didn't have a ton of answers for me at MSN. They said, just go to CHOP and they'll look at it. Mm-hmm. So we went to CHOP, my husband and I, we did a full day of tests, which was truly one of the worst days that I've had. That was a really, really rough day for both of us. 
And at the end of the day, they said, okay, here's what it is. It's called bladder atrophy. It means that the bladder is on the outside of the body. Now, it's, they told us it's very rare. They don't have a ton of cases to show me, compare it to, and that within those very few cases, there's a lot of, um, there's a wide range of, you know, everybody's a little bit different. So there wasn't anybody they could point us to that was exactly the same as our situation. But the good news was that they had a team devoted to exactly this. As you can imagine, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia is probably the best place that we could be for something like this. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they weren't shy about saying, like, people come from all over to see our team for this thing. Um, but what it's going to require is uh, surgery, extensive surgery on whichever baby it was, um, you know, shortly after they're born. Um, but the good news is, you know, they called it a plumbing problem. It's Okay. It's, difficult and it's rare and it requires surgery, but it's not life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not, it's localized. So it's not impacting his kidneys, his uh, central nervous system, nothing like that. And it's not affecting uh, baby B. He was baby A. Um, the other baby, none the wiser. Okay. Um, so from then, like I said, we transitioned the care. So I, I did all my MFS in Philly at CHOP. Okay. And they told me, like, if you can be closer to the city, um, as you get closer to, you know, 37 weeks, that way you're not, because, you know, people who, people who live around here will know that, like, from Central Jersey to Philly is maybe an hour on, like, a good day, mm-hmm. right? But if there's traffic, like, it could be much, much longer. Yeah. You're <laughs> looking at three. Going it's true. Labor. Yes. Right. Like, you could, I could get birth on the highway. So come stay in Philly at an Airbnb, which we didn't end up needing to do. But um, so from from the beginning, from 20 weeks on, mm-hmm. you know, they were with us sort of every step of the way and, and told us as much to expect as they, as they could tell us. Right. So when you knew everything was happening and now you're in the car and you're on your way, did you already meet all of the teams that would be helping you post-delivery? So during your pregnancy, did you meet with, is it, is it a urologist? I, who would you be meeting with? So did you meet with that whole section of CHOP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we met with our urologist and our surgeon at least three or four times. Okay. He, was, he was and is so wonderful and um, was very proactive about having mm-hmm. my husband and I in the office. Not that anything's changing, right? They're not doing the yeah. exam. It's just to talk to us and what questions have come up since the last time we met, going through the process with us like multiple times over. We wanted mm-hmm. to tell us again how it works, what's going to happen again and again and again. And, and again, we have another, we're going to see him again next Monday. Um, okay. Even though my son's surgery is not for another month, we're meeting with him again next Monday just to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in fact, tomorrow we're going to meet with the uh, ortho orthopedist who's going to do like, um, you know, the ortho part of the surgery. Okay. It's a two day surgery. So we're meeting with them tomorrow. So they've been, we've, we've met and know everybody that I can think of a million different yeah. doctors. It feels like. Do you feel much more comfortable now that this is like your home away from home or when you get there, you still are twitchy? I mean, how can you not be right? Like it's a difficult situation no matter what, they've done everything they can to make us as comfortable as possible. I think that's, I think where we are is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Um, but it's still not a fun trip to make, right? Yeah. And I say that with 
full knowledge that other people face much more difficult um, uh, difficulties and, and complications and things like that. Like I'm very aware that we're very lucky that this particular defect is not like threat threatening. It's not going to have a significant impact on his life. I mean, it will impact his life as he gets older for various mm -hmm. reasons, but um, you know, he's going to, he's going to live and grow and, and, and have a great life. So uh, that doesn't mean that it's fun to go there. Yeah. Right. You know, but the, it's like that's, that's difficult. kind of what I was thinking of because when people, you know, when people know that they're going to be kind of walking into something, sometimes people are like, well, doesn't it get easier? And I think sometimes it's tough, you know, with our, our families, especially that they want to just kind of sugarcoat it and be like, well, you've been there so much, you know, these doctors, you know, it's still you never really get comfortable. And even if you go back, you know, years later to, you know, a wonderful reunion when, you know, the boys are turning 21 and now everybody's there, you're still going to have like a little a little twitchiness because it's it's really tough. So like Jillian, when you after you delivered and when they everybody was coming out. Right. So everybody's there. Was it what you expected? Like, did they paint a picture enough for you to say, OK, this is what it's going to be like. This is what's going to happen. And did that live up to what they were telling you or you were like, nope, you, there's no preparation for that? They did tell us that because of the defect, at least my son was definitely going to go to the NICU mm -hmm. and that because they're twins, as we all know, it's likely that they would both need some NICU time, which I sort of, um, I, mean, I shouldn't have, but I sort of dismissed because my first set didn't have a of NICU course. time. They had good weight to me the past 36 weeks. It was fine. So I had no experience with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was trying to mentally prepare for having one go to the NICU and one not. No, they both did. They swept them right away. Um, and I think that they probably did the best that they could to try mm -hmm. to prepare me for something that I have absolutely no experience with and, and don't know what to expect. Um, the hardest part, I think, for me was not, I wasn't, I didn't realize um, because my, my first set of twins were uh, vaginal delivery, but this mm -hmm. set was um, a C-section because my little girl turned sideways at the last minute and we had to go. Um, and so those first, I would say, day and a half of them in the NICU, I was having such a hard time with the recovery that I wasn't spending as much time there. Like the picture I had in my head was even if they both go to the NICU or just one, like I would be right there next mm -hmm. to them the whole time. And I just wasn't, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't stay awake from like pain medication, you know? Um, and so I didn't, that part I wasn't prepared for. I don't know that they could have prepared me for that. Well, also you, we don't, you never know, you know, that's the other thing is like, you never know you, some people do pop out of bed within, you know, a few hours of surgery. And some people have, you know, five, six days before they even get to hold a, a baby's hand. Everybody is different and it's tough. Yeah. It's very tough to, to prepare people for that and even if you do honestly i mean even with like my NICU babies we had like the neonatologist i don't think really anybody knows unless you've been through it but honestly yeah. like truthfully jillian even if you went through it i don't know if it would get easier the second time so now in the NICU what was their setup like like since his tiny little bladder is living where we could see it i'm trying to like i'm you know not to be graphic but like was he like all wrapped up? Was he wrapped up more or less than you thought? Were they, you know, was he in an isolate? And what was she doing? Like when you first meet, you know, when you went down after 
you know, struggling a little bit and then there's all the recovery for yourself. When you get down there, what was that experience like? You wouldn't know that there was anything wrong, right? You wouldn't know that there was a difference between the two of them. They mm-hmm. were in a, like a pod, right? This big room. There's two other babies and they're little, you know, cordoned off sections. And then we have like basically one half of the room because we've got two. Mm-hmm. And they're in their little, you know, plastic, you homes. know, care, care, you yes. know, it's not a crib, right? They're it's tiny like the homes. Little, Baby's first tiny home. <laughs> and um, each one had their own nurse who's okay. like, was solely in charge of making sure they were getting everything that they needed. Mm-hmm. They were super, like, of course, like, shout out to those nurses. They were super great with me and my husband and my family. Um, but one thing that our urologist, like, really hammered home during all of those meetings while I was pregnant was, you don't have to be super fragile, super careful with him. He's not going to break. So he's got this external organ, but other than that, he can function perfectly normally. And that organ doesn't have nerve endings in it. So he's not going to be uncomfortable. He's not going to be in pain. It's just there. The only real difference when it comes to his care is you sort of have to dress it under his diaper. Otherwise the diaper can like irritate it. Okay. And so, and they knew how to do that, right? Like I didn't, and they taught me what to do. As soon as we got there, here's, but, you know, here's all the steps, get your hand sanitizer, get your, you know, plastic tegaderm, get your gel, this, 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 this. And, and they're a pro, right? And they do it so yeah. fast and, and they're always there next to you. Like if I say, I want to do it myself, come help me. They're right here to show me what to do. So when you walk in, like you would never know. He's got his diaper on, he's got his, maybe he, they, they both needed lights. They both needed, had a little jockers. So he's got his little like pair goggles on, right? Like <laughs> they both look the same. You would never know the difference. Oh, that, that's got to be a relief, though. Like, I, I still, even if they were saying it's, you know, there's nobody fragile, you still have this moment of, you know, am I going to be able to hold up anybody? So now I know that typically with NICU families that they really do stress the importance of breastfeeding. Because this is kind of, you know, a, a digestive thing that it's coming out at the end and being cleaned, were they more on top of that for you or less? Or what was their their thinking on, you know, your role in the whole breastfeeding feeding process? In my room in the hospital, like the lactation people on the doctors that came to talk to me um, had exactly that you know, typical attitude, like breast is best, make sure that you're pumping, make sure that you're mm-hmm. trying to latch, like get in there and do that. And, and you know, I, I tried as hard as I could to do as much as I could. The NICU nurses themselves were a little uh, left insistent. They were there to help me. I wanted to pump, they had pumps right there, they had pumping rooms, they had anything I needed. It, but they left it up to me. If I wanted to use formula, if I wanted to use donor milk, they had everything available to me. It was up to me what I wanted them to have. And they were mm-hmm. supportive of whatever I chose. Gotta love that. I love me some NICU nurses. They're the best. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> they, yeah. they really are. Like uh, to this day, I could tell you like what she smelled like, my favorite NICU nurse. So my primary NICU nurse, I shouldn't say my favorite. Everybody's my favorite. Um, but yeah. when did you know that you were taking everybody home? Like, were you like, I'm still taking him home with a bladder outside of their body? Like, like, how did that conversation happen? And was that a surprise? When I was pregnant, they said there really is no benefit to doing the surgery within a couple of days of life. It's waiting a few months mm-hmm. doesn't impact, uh, in their experience, the success 
effects of the surgery or the prognosis later on. And what waiting a few months allows is bonding time, right? He comes home, he's home with us. Like they were born in early November. So they were home with us for the holidays. He can spend time with me, with his twin, with his older brothers. Um, and we get those months together. We learn that, you know, slight bit of care that it requires other than that, he's a normal baby. Yeah. And I was, I was super nervous, right? Like I, I was afraid, like, what if we don't know how to do it? We do it wrong. Get the set. Like, shouldn't he just stay here? But then of course, once he was born, I was so grateful that he was allowed to come home with us. Now, when he goes back for his surgery at the end of February, that'll be a different story. He will have to stay there for a much longer period of time. Okay. But at least in between, yeah. I'm really glad he was able to come home. I think it's fantastic. I'm, I'm surprised. I would, but I guess, you know, uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I would always assume that if we had an external organ that wasn't supposed to be there, that we would kind of be trapped in a hospital until they saw fit to help us. And I, I absolutely love that everybody is home and that's so, it's, it's so great for you. I mean, forget him. He's not going to remember this as much as you. No way, yeah. no how, no shot. But what a, just like, yeah. what a wonderful way to kind of transition into yet another set of 20s. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so this set I'm guessing is a little bit different than your first go around. I love like <laughs> speaking to people that have their, their two little sets and they're like, you know, not really. It's kind of the same. And I'm like, okay. So I do like to shake it up because there's so many of you guys that are twins twice. There's more right? than you would think. Yeah. It's really more common than you think. Yeah. I think it's kind of like the yeah, twin thing. I, you know, like you don't realize yeah. how common twins are until you have twins. And then when you have until your second you have set. And like, they come out of the woodwork. It's, We're actually not even the only family on our block that has two sets of twins. There's another family with two sets, like grown college age, two sets of twins down at the corner. So, yeah, it's the same way when you have twins that suddenly yeah. you see, find twin moms everywhere. Yeah, we're definitely not the only ones with two sets, although people who don't have twins are stunned, right? Oh, yeah. Like, they can't believe it. And, and when I found out, I was also stunned, to be fair, right? Even though technically you should expect to see a second heartbeat, like if you have your spontaneous 20s, you know, it's more likely that you're going to do this again. And it's but I don't think anybody really is prepared. I always think that that was a fluke. I knew. I, right. I knew it was a possibility, but I didn't actually think it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite cuckoo. So now everybody's home. You're you're settled in. You're getting ready now for the next phase, which is going to be kind of the big surgery. And when that happens are you staying in the hospital full-time are you and your husband going to split the time is your mom going to split the time how did you determine as a family who was going to be where when so we were told by our urologist that we should expect his recovery time to be four to six weeks uh inpatient so i would love to sit next to him every day for four to six weeks but um realistically we have three other kids and uh we both have jobs and built to pay so uh what we're going to do is relocate to closer to the hospital for the plan right now is to relocate closer to the hospital like an airbnb uh for the first two weeks okay and um we're not going to be working um if i need to work remotely a little bit i will but we're both just going to be there with him for that time um one thing that I think is really important for anybody to listen to this to take away is that um, we are 
really, really lucky that we have a lot of help and we have a lot of help close by. My parents and my in-laws um, are all within an hour of us and we rely on them heavily. My mom is here now. Yay. Um, Hi, mom. Make sure that everybody stays quiet. I see a shadow. Um, I was like, so, I didn't know who was there with you. <laughs> that's my mom. So like perfect example, this morning, my mom texted me and said, I made you a meal because she knows that at five o'clock on a weekday, my husband's not home. I got all four of them here. I got to make dinner. And so she decided to help me out. And I said, great, you could hang out while I do this interview in case people make noise. So that said, my parents have very generously offered to stay here at my house for those two weeks with my two older ones, get them to school, pick them up, get them fed, do the parenting that I won't be able to do in that time. Mm -hmm. um, after those two weeks, my husband actually works in Philadelphia, so he'll be commuting there every day anyway. Okay. Um, and we're going to be going back and forth and spending as much time with him as we can while trying not to take more time away from the other three. Mm -hmm. um, and I should say that his sister, his twin, um, will just be with me wherever we go, right? So she'll come with us for those two weeks and then come home with us when we're done. Is she allowed hoping... in the hospital? Is she allowed to, to stay with you in the room? Only because she's a, um, a breastfeeding sibling. So good. she is technically a breastfeeding sibling. She gets about a third of her diet is breast milk. Sounds good. Um, but if that gets her in there and yeah. lets her stick with us and with me, then, then that's what we're going to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, as far as like yeah. protocols go for COVID, et cetera, et cetera, is does that play a role too in who gets to be with um, our little teeny tot in the hospital? From what I understand, my husband and I will be allowed to be there, but no other family. Um, when we meet with our surgeon tomorrow and next mm -hmm. week and, you know, throughout February, we're going to stay on top of that. I hope that it doesn't become even less, that it's yeah. not just one parent, um, which there was a time when that was th the case. Um, so hopefully by the time yeah. we get to the end of February, at least we can both still be there. No, I feel like it's, we're looking good right now. We're, we're on a good yeah. trend. So I'm feeling mm -hmm. good about this. Yes, we're doing it. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Just please wear your mask, just just for the baby. That's please all we do. Your part. Yeah, for no for no other yeah. reason. That's it. Just remember this <laughs> this puppy's having surgery, so we're we're going to be in the hospital for a while, and then we're coming home. And God bless your family. Like honestly, I you, you I don't even know how people do it. We have people that you know are on military bases overseas, and their partners are deployed, and they're all by themselves in a foreign country. Like I always think about that. And, and for, if you're listening to this, and that's you, I'm sorry that I'm using you as my example of worst case scenario, but we're so fortunate to be able to have our actual family. And those people do have wonderful people on the base that try, but when you know that it's like your mom that's with the kids, mm -hmm. you have that that sense of comfort that you're like, okay, I could tap out of that and then just focus on this. As far as the help from the hospital goes with you guys as a family, do they provide like any additional support? Do you have like a social worker that you speak with? Is there, you know, a liaison that is the parent liaison to the doctors? Is there any additional services that somebody, because not everybody's going to be able to get the chop, if they're having surgery in a local hospital, is there any additional services that you could think of that you benefited from that others may ask about? I don't know if it varies state by state. We were in Pennsylvania. 
we had a whole team of people throughout my pregnancy and we still do. Um, every time I went to an MFM appointment, mm-hmm. um, it was a big chunk of the day because we were also meeting with a social worker. We were also meeting with a um, psychologist. Like my, they, they would bring my husband and I in to do like couples counseling about our situation. Um, there was a psychiatrist for just me if I needed uh, medication or, you know, talk therapy or something like that. Um, and then after the babies were born, we had like a caseworker assigned who would talk to the medical supply company who would order our, our supplies for his dressing, who would talk to the insurance company on our behalf. Um, I don't know if everybody knows that those things are out there to help you. And now that, and we live in New Jersey, New Jersey has its own series of services that they are going to help us with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just met with them yesterday. We had a zoom where they looked at him and looked at his uh, abilities and cognitive abilities and what can they offer us? Um, but like I said, I don't know that every, I know that because the doctor said, go find these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important that I think a lot of states offer this stuff. A lot of hospitals most. offer these things, but you got to go look for them. Yes, you do. Most people never think to ask. So, no. you know, most people, even if they're in the NICU for a month, don't even think to ask if there's anything that they're missing. Is there a social worker that could expedite services? You know, will early intervention be necessary and how do we do that? Now, on that topic, so you know that he's going to need PT, right? So if they're breaking through his abdomen, now we have to go through those little muscles and stuff, and he's got to do his baby crunches. So mm-hmm. when it, do you already know, like, what the mandate is, or do you have to wait for, you know, post-surgery, and then they say, okay, we're going to come three days a week, we're going to come four days a week? Has anybody discussed a plan with you so far? So I guess there's a, I guess there's a not not a great chance, but there's is a, a real chance that the surgery won't be quote unquote successful at first, meaning okay. they'll they'll put the bladder inside, they'll reconnect everything, and hopefully everything will work the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it doesn't, and you have to go back and do it again. So there is a period of a couple of months after he gets out of the hospital where they're sort of monitoring him Okay. to see if everything's working the way it's supposed to. So once we know that we don't have to do it again, right, oh, that it right. was successful, yes. then we can start looking at, I think it's specifically like pelvic floor type mm-hmm. therapy. Um, I was concerned because I know that he'll be in a body cast for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about like muscle atrophy, right? Like at three months old, we're already, we've been doing tummy time, right? Like mm-hmm. he's using those muscles and then there's going to be this long period where he's not using them. But from what I've been told that, Maybe a little bit of physical therapy for the legs and stuff will be necessary, but probably not a lot. It's more the the abs, like you said, and the yeah. pelvic floor. How awesome. That's great. And, you know, there there have been people who've walked before you with this, luckily. You yeah. know, so that's always the, the weird benefit is that, you know, nobody ever wants to be the first of anything. That's mm-hmm. never, never where we want to be. Have you connected with other people that have literally had this issue at birth? Um. Online. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big proponent of like, whether it's a Facebook group or a moms of multiples group or whatever, like, even if you're like me and you're just like a scroller and you read questions Mm -hmm. and learn from that as opposed to interacting. So I I am a part of a couple of different bladder extrophy groups, parents of kids with bladder extrophy. And there is um, at least one or two families who have come through CHOP who have made themselves available for direct contact. But we haven't actually taken that step just yet. 
Well, also, you know, hashtag pandemic. So it's yeah. always good to not see people. God bless Zoom. Yeah. I don't know what we would do without it. But I, yeah. I do you think that it's been beneficial to connect with them? Or are you more of a I don't want to know, I'll find out when I need to kind of person? You know, I know a lot of people are like that. You know, my particular brand of dealing with anxiety is the more information, the better. Mm -hmm. So I find it very helpful to read other people's experiences, even especially, I should say, people with like slightly older kids mm -hmm. as a preview of what is to come, yeah. what kind of things we should be looking out for, or what difficulties we might not have thought of. Um, so that's really what I'm there for is to to soak up as much as I possibly can. Now, as far as the twinnies go, are do they interact a lot or are you worried that, you know, you said that we don't have to worry about hurting him at all, but does, you know, do you ever, do you worry? Like, do you give them tummy time together? Are they typically head to head so they can't touch as much? Like, ha what precautions have you taken in the house so that they have kind of like their twin time without you having to stress as much? No, I treat him, we don't make any accommodations, right? Because I don't want especially because my older boys are really at an age where they're, they're really listening and watching and picking up a lot more than you might think. Absolutely. And, right. So you, I don't want to create an environment where my son is an odd person out or, mm -hmm. you know, something off or wrong, you know, I, so I, you would never know, right? Like he does his tummy time, does it with his sister. They're right next to each other. I try to get them to acknowledge each other. I don't, I don't think they're aware of each other just yet, but you know, he takes a bath normally, like like his sister does. Everything is is the same, and and that's we do that very consciously. And in general, I mean, you 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 definitely seem okay, like which is really nice. Um, are you? Yeah, I mean, it was. I would say when I found out that I was having a second set of twins, um. Anybody who's been through that will understand that I would say there was a good like two weeks where well, I had not crossed over from terror to mm -hmm. joy, right? You know, well, your your first couple of weeks home with with twin newborns is so difficult. And the idea of also having two three-year-olds to take care of was, I, I couldn't believe it. But as I sort of moved beyond that and and into the joy, I... One thing I had in my mind was like, listen, at least I've done this before, right? Like I know what to expect, right? Like we've got such a leg up on other twin parents because we've done it. So then to have something happen where we lose that, that advantage, we don't yeah. know what to expect anymore, um, felt really unfair at first. Like, like no, listen, I, I, I know what I'm doing. You can't yeah. take that from me. Um, but as a twin, every twin mom knows, you, you got to learn to roll with it. And so it happens and it comes up and we deal with it and we yeah. take it day by day. And some days are harder than others. Um, but you don't really have a choice yeah. because you have four kids to take yeah. care of. So but you just don't do? really have the ability to sort of wallow. There's no time for that. Unbelievable. The the no time to wallow. It's it, it it catches up to you though. So do you take do you, are there things that you're doing that maybe were the advice of the people in the hospital? Like, do you try to, you know, make sure that you talk to your bestie every day for 15 minutes? Are you, you know, going for a walk, you know, for your mental health, like all those TikTok videos are? Like, are you doing is there anything that you 
have going on on the regular that you're like, okay, this is what I need to do in order to make myself feel at ease-ish. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't it funny that this like sort of culture we have of like, take time for yourself, but also take care of your kids, but also get your work done, but, you know, but also make dinner, but also, you know, do a face mask. So it's, it's a hard balance. And, and my, my, my secret, my quote unquote secret is to be up super early in the morning. Maybe I'm already awake because of feeding a baby. Maybe I'm forcing myself to be awake and I, I got to get a workout in. That's my, that helps my mental health. If it's Mm -hmm. 20 minutes on the exercise bike, if it's a half hour walk with the babies later in the day, getting up and moving around really helps me out a lot. And I take that time super early in the morning before everybody else is awake. And that's when I have my cup of coffee. That's when I scroll nonsense on the internet, right? Like I'm not, I'm not paying bills. I'm not catching up on appointments. I'm looking at TikTok. I'm looking at Instagram. I'm shopping, whatever. Or I'm watching the news or I'm just sitting quietly like around Christmas time. You know, their schedule was um, the new babies was, you know, they were eating at uh, 7, 10, 1 and 4. So I mm-hmm. would do their four o'clock, put them back to sleep. I sat in my living room with the tree lit up, like quiet Ugh. Christmas music, cup of coffee. Even if it's 20 minutes out of my whole day. It's amazing what a difference that makes, right? Like just a little, little bit of time really goes a long way. Absolutely. And the morning is the best. The morning is like the secret best time. And I I was never a morning person before I had kids. And I don't know if they forced me into it, but I love it. I don't mind. Yeah. Like if I see, if I get up in the middle of the night, I think it's middle of the night and it's five. I'm like, I'm good. I'm out of here. Yeah. That's it. I'm I'm going to go watch Sister Wives or whatever. Whatever it is. It's the best. Especially when the tree is up. Oh. That's nice. Don't take that tree down. Just leave it up all year. (laughs) That's that's it. That's the best. I want to just have lights like that. I'm so glad that you're okay. And, you know, we, we get so many wonderful people that are so generous with their time to come and talk to me. And I still will never understand why you guys do this. But there's so much that we really can learn from each other. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, you have so much going on and you took time for me and I, I hope it karmically comes back to you, <laughs> you know, 30 fold. But I, I know that unfortunately, you know, a lot of twin parents, especially new t- twin parents are going through something, you know, it may not be exactly walking in your shoes, but it, it always feels like it's something. And even if it's not something like something like we're going to have to have surgery in a few months, even if it's something like that. Me and you may say, oh, that's minimal, like, mm-hmm. right, because we have like a different perspective on, you know, what kind of bad is. But everybody's bad is their worst. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear that other people are like, OK, yeah, I'm going through I'm in the weeds, too, right now. And this sucks. And, you know, we didn't want it this way, but it is this way. And what are you going to do? It's just nice. I guess I always say that our, our tagline at university should just be misery lives company. <laughs> because then you feel not so alone and when you're up at five o'clock and you're scrolling then you're like okay you could visualize like i literally could visualize the world with that one kitchen light on or wherever that or bathroom light because now we're just hiding on the bowl and this is just where we are like the world is just asleep but us secret parents are gonna just mm-hmm. carve this time away from ourselves so you're you're not alone i'm up at the same time with you feel free to text me it's fine. Okay. I'll send you I'll send you some funny videos of I have a lot of dogs in my algorithm Great. that I'm watching right now. So 
That's okay. Good. Dogs sliding down snow it seems to be a new trend of what <laughs> I see. Awesome. That's it. That's it. That is all that I want to see. But honestly, Jillian, I'm so appreciative that you took the time. And I can't wait to hear the great news that everything went fantastic. And then it's their first birthday. And that's going to just be extraordinary because it's going to be, you know, from your first time around, that's around the corner. No matter yeah. how many things happen, it's yeah. still it's yeah. still going to be in about 15 seconds. Yeah. So don't start planning. <laughs> yeah. We have to do it. I Thank say, you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Don't be ridiculous. And guys, if you have questions for myself or for Jillian or you're going through something and you just are like, dude, I'm throwing out the life raft here. You could email us like genuinely a community at twiniversity.com. We answer our emails. We answer all our direct messages. We have literally a team of Twiniversity people that are, we call us the mom squad because we're on, we're at the ready. And honestly, all of us have been through something. Because I think the people that tend to reach out the most are the people that are like, I wish I had me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I just know that the jillions of the world that are out there, that we are, are here for you now and always. And I just, I'm very thankful that you listen to this podcast. And if we could help you, know that we're here. So, yeah. Jillian, I love you, my friend. Thank you so Thank much you so for talking much. to us today. All right. Have a All great day. All right, guys. So thanks so much for listening. Like and subscribe, blah, blah, blah. All the things those kids say on YouTube. And until next time, guys, I'll see you later, alligators. And this week, we have a question that is coming from South Dakota by a twin mom named Sharon. And she says, hey, Nat, I just had my twinnies a few weeks ago, and I just don't feel like I'm connecting with them. What should I do? Oh, my poor Sharon, I feel you. First of all, congratulations on the 20s. I'm very excited for you. I know that it is very, very overwhelming. And yeah, I feel you, chick. So the very first thing that I would typically ask is, when were they born? Because if they were born early and you didn't get those that chance to kind of connect with them in the beginning, it's pretty easy to understand how you might not be connecting. You know, you might feel like you missed out or you may feel that you are gypped somehow, that you didn't have the experience that you want. You know, maybe you have a lot of family around you that is just taking the babies and doing everything for you and helping you as much as possible, and it's not giving you that chance to really connect. So, Sharon, the very first thing that I would tell you is that I would love if you would consider just trying to have some skin-to-skin -skin contact with those babies. It's where you take one baby at a time or both babies if you have an extra pair of hands around to make sure that everybody's safe and literally have their naked skin against your naked skin. So I hope they're wearing a diaper because that just gets a little bit messy. But try to literally get them on you. Maybe lie in bed, have your partner bring you the babies and just sit there and just soak in their delicious scent and their little baby coos and feel the warmth of them on the warmth of you, and try your best to just enjoy it. If you are not enjoying it, though, please let somebody know that you're not enjoying it. You could start by telling your partner. You could start by telling anybody that's in your house. You, you know, don't tell your little kids, but tell an adult in your house, listen, I'm just not feeling it. I don't like this. I don't like them on me. I'm not feeling, you know, all the feels that I typically thought that I might be feeling. There's a lot of things that go into being a twin parent, and there's a lot of it that's very overwhelming. You know, you have these babies, everybody's depending on you, everybody's looking to you like you have the answers when 
you're still, you know, you still have your training wheels on and you don't really, you know, you haven't navigated the whole process of being a parent. So it's, it's understandable. But if this continues and you just still feel like you're not connecting, I also really would speak to your, um, your doctor and say, you know, hey, listen, it's been some months. I've tried some skin to skin. We've been feeding them as you recommended, and we've been doing everything that you recommended as our doctor. I'm just not connecting. So, you know, you could have an issue with a postpartum mood disorder, which isn't that unheard of when it comes to twin parents. You know, we, we do see it a little bit more when it comes to multiples than singletons, because often our deliveries are a little bit different. You know, sometimes they're more challenging. Sometimes they're more complicated. It really depends. And honestly, sometimes they're just exactly what they're supposed to be, but it's not what we thought it should, as I say in air quotes, supposed to be. So if you don't feel like you're connecting, try that skin-to-skin contact and just keep it up. And you just kind of fake it till you make it, but really speak to your doctor because I'm worried about you. And I'm worried about all our new parents who just don't feel like, you know, they're, they're getting that experience that they want. I want you to have the experience that you really like. And if you were somebody who had these visions of something specific and it didn't happen, it's, you know, not really shocking that you may not feel like you're connecting or you might feel resentful. But you definitely, definitely want to express how you feel to people that are around you so everybody could be on the same page. Hopefully nobody is judging you for the way that you feel. People are allowing you to have some space within limits because, you know, especially if you're breastfeeding, there's, you know, not that much space that we could give you if you're going to be providing the food for these babies. And, you know, just really talk to your doctor. And you may need the help of a mental health specialist, which there is no shame in that game. I really wish that that was kind of standard in this country. Therapy is like legitly awesome. And the sooner that you come to terms with the way that you feel, and the sooner you could get the help that you need and start connecting with those babies and start feeling fantastic, the happier everybody in your home will be. So, Miss Sharon, I wish you the ultimate best. I look forward to hearing back from you and just keep us updated on how things are going. All right, guys, if you have a question for me, just send us a direct message on any social platform or via community at twiniversity.com. And I will try my best to get to as many questions as possible this season of our Twiniversity podcast. All right, guys. See you later, alligators.